Heavenly Features is brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions. Hey, just a quick content warning uh, at the top of the episode. We do touch on depression and suicide in this episode. Hey, Kim here. Uh, Happy Christmas, everyone. Uh, So we know that Christmas can be a really hard time for some folk, uh, especially in the queer community, whether it's because of a toxic environment or that you can't be yourself or for many, many reasons. Uh, So we thought we would do a bonus episode uh, in case you need to escape for a little bit or just need some company today. So that being said, we are going to do a little roundup of some holiday films that we have watched this year and also talk about how great the amount of queer holiday films that are out and about now. Uh, So we hope you enjoy this bonus episode and we hope you stay safe and happy and that you have at least someone in your life that you can be completely yourself with. Um, Now, if you don't have that person um, and you haven't found your queer family yet, then just know that they're out there and uh, that when you do find them, it will be amazing. And until you do, you always have us to hang out with. So yeah, have a safe and happy Christmas and remember you're not alone. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, a weekly podcast where myself, Sophie and my friend Kim. Hey, how's it going? Get together to talk about films. Uh, This week we are kind of ending our season of merriment of Christmas time and uh, we are looking at just the last couple of films that we've watched that are have a kind of Christmassy theme. So Kim what was the first film that we're going to talk about? Okay so the first film that we're going to talk about is one that we actually both have managed to watch which uh, being in Europe Shopping. is kind of hard. Um, so yeah Soph and I both did manage to watch this because it is on Netflix which obviously is pretty universal. Um yeah. So we both watched Single All the Way, uh, which was directed by Michael Mayer and written by Chad Hodge, uh, starring Michael Yuri, Philemon Chambers, Jennifer Coolidge, and Kathy Najimy. Uh, so basically, this film is sort of your cute, stereotypical Christmas movie uh, where best friends Peter, Michael Yuri, and Nick, Philemon Chambers, have to go and pretend to be a couple to stop the family of Peter from hounding him constantly about being the only single one at Christmas. Um, So their plan doesn't quite work, uh, mainly because they're shocking at pretending to be a couple. And they... So Peter's mum, Kathy and Jimmy, uh, sets him up with this great guy and over the course of the film, with a little help from a very pushy and meddling family... Uh, the two best friends realise that they're actually in love and perfect for each other. Uh, And we get the sort of typical will-they-won't-they sort of ending there. And of course, because it is Christmas and a film, uh, when you do fall fall for your best friend in that scenario, it works out perfectly. Not necessarily in real life. (laughs) Um, uh, So, yeah, it's, it's sort of the perfect Christmas ending. Uh, And also, I would be remiss not to mention in this sort of kind of synopsis of the film, Jennifer Coolidge as Aunt Sally, uh, who basically causes mayhem and brings a whole other level of campness to this gay Christmas movie. Uh, So yeah, we both watched Single All The Way. So uh, I know obviously you have 
you have some thoughts on this movie, Soph. So, uh, yeah, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like this film. I think if you're wrapping presents and it's just kind of on in the background and you're getting the festive spirit from it, it's fine. It's beautiful. It serves in that way. And a lot of like those Hallmark TV movie sort of things, that's exactly their function. So it's great that we have a kind of queer version of that to add to the plethora of other Christmas films that get watched every year. Absolutely. In terms of uh, the actual story, I didn't feel like the setup and payoff were particularly great. I didn't feel like the stakes were very high. And I also felt like I liked both Peter with Nick and Peter with James, the date. Um, So ultimately, could they not have just become a throuple? That was my main thing. So, Oh, oh, okay. We're talking (laughs) throuples. I like this. Yes. I mean, okay, yes. There was nothing about. I mean, first of all, let's start from the beginning. Didn't need all this exposition with the ex boyfriend cheating. I felt like that could have been skipped and we could have just gone straight into the whole idea of, oh, he's sad after a breakup. He's already told his family that he's taking his boyfriend home and what a dilemma he's in. And we didn't need to see all of the stuff at the beginning true but it did set up what his job was and it did sort of also and i i agree with we didn't need to hold the see the scenario um but i did like that he started to berate this guy and then went no actually you know what you're on your own journey i just hope that no one else is involved in this any longer as in you you can go through this journey yourself and you can be in pain and you can figure yourself out and take as long as you need but don't hurt other people along with you. Yeah, I definitely, I like that approach. I just didn't feel like it was necessary to the plot. No, I agree completely. (laughs) So I would have started, like, he could have done the whole thing where he's at work because his boyfriend was not important to that at the time. But um, I like the scenes where they were uh, in the flat um, or the apartment and he's talking to his his plants uh, because we... (laughs) Love a plant parent. Um, I'm so jealous. I love plants and I love a plant parent. Honestly, I wish I had as many plants as him. I love plants so much that I kill them. I've even managed to kill cactuses. So I think it's a a talent. Uh, Not one I'm particularly proud of. So (laughs) I'm very jealous of someone who can care for plants in this way because it's not a natural affinity that I have. And I love that he gave them like kind of middle-aged housewife names um, or even like old lady names. Loved it. I think one was Judith. Oh, I always name my plant like old lady names. Judith. Judith Judith was one. I can't remember the others. I want to say Susan, but I could be making that up. But I loved it. I thought it was great. We had some really, really obvious and just out there on the table exposition uh, put out there about um, the whole scenario and about why Nick doesn't need job a job because he has written this children's book and is apparently now incredibly wealthy um, because um, I just don't think that happens after one book, but sure. Uh, well, it depends. <laughs> if, if, if your first book is published and gets really popular, I guess maybe you could get a big firstly payment from that and then maybe an advance on the second book maybe but he hasn't written the second book but also so what they decide to do is that they um are so peter and nick are going to go home they're going to pretend to be a couple to get um peter's family off his back about not being in a relationship 
And that's great. Love that setup. Cliche as heck. Love it. If it ain't broke, yeah. then fix it. Only Stereotypical thing I... Christmas movie. Yeah. Love it. Only thing I would have changed is that Emmett the dog came with them. But I hated that he had to go to a, a dog hotel. I, was, I know. And I know they said he's scared of flying. But like, oh, just bring him with you. Yes, exactly. I just, I don't know. I just felt like it could have been done. Okay. It could have been done. Yes. Um, because they they built in that he was scared of flying. So they didn't have to have a dog on the scene. Um, yes. So that's my only thing, problem really with the beginning. What I didn't particularly enjoy is that as soon as they get to Peter's family's house, they drop the whole dating thing so quickly. So Which quickly. also, they had so much time to do it because they had the flight, they had the car ride to discuss yes. what their plans were. And they already and know, know each other really well. I know that Peter had said that they he wanted to wait until all of the family was together to make the big announcement that they were together, which is a ridiculous scenario because, of course, you would be like, hey, this is my boyfriend, because he's already out. It's not like they're hiding yeah. that they're out, which is one thing I actually really appreciated about I this movie. I love that, yes. Is that everyone was out and everyone was fine with it and it wasn't like this big coming out traumatic thing, which I know we need. I know we need those stories. But we also need stories that aren't that. Well, it reminded me a little bit of um, a little bit of Shit's Creek in the sense that we're just going to pretend and hope that a place like this can exist where no homophobia, no horrible outing or being thrown out by your parents sort of situations happen if you come out as queer. We're just going to pretend that everybody's just chill with everything and we're just going to hope this is a lovely place and that's it. And I was like, yes, from a Christmas yes. movie, this is actually what I want. Um, this is not a Christmas... Yeah, you don't want to relive trauma. No, exactly. Necessarily like, oh, for a Christmas movie. Exactly. It's like, no, yes, I am wrapping a million different presents and I want this on in the background. I want to watch it as I go along. That's fine. Um, you don't want to but... you seal your presents with tears of like your yeah. past trauma. But thing is is that that cliche story of two people having to pretend they're in a relationship their friends they have to pretend to be in a relationship for whatever reason is something i absolutely love i watch so many films that are like that and yes it's a cliche setup but what is great about it is that usually you'll have one person in that dynamic who maybe does harbor some stronger feelings for the other one yes and then um throughout the situations where they have to pretend to be a couple real sparks bloom um and we can kind of see how they might end up together how they bring the best out of each other they learn a lot about each other they maybe get put in situations that are perhaps a little bit more in intimate than what they had been before and you can see that tension and that spark there whereas that's completely missing from this film yeah, I actually, I hadn't thought of it from the point of view of doing it like that. I hadn't thought of it from the point of view, you know, like, for example, the, is it the proposal with Sandra Bullock? Yes. Um, I hadn't thought of it from that point of view where they have to, like, be a couple, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and the shenanigans like, they get into. I was just like, oh yeah, two best friends. And I kind of took, I kind of forgot about the point that they were meant to be pretending to be a couple. Because, because they it didn't last... They literally got in the door. They went, "Hey, Christmas Carol." Yes, you should set him up. That was literally like <laughs> they, exactly. they had no follow through with it. So I kind of forgot about it. So yeah, I would love to see this film 
with that sort of proposal-esque scenario. Yeah, because like the tension would be higher. And then perhaps, you know, Peter does get, um, maybe not set up on a date because his family wouldn't do that if he knew he had a boyfriend. But perhaps he meets, meets him, meets a family friend or something. And that's also a gay man. And they they have a lot of chemistry and they're hitting it off and then you get the other person and their unrequited love essentially and how and the tension builds and builds because they're getting jealous and they're seeing all these moments of them having a great time but also it that's not what it seems it's you know it seems like they're getting on really well but actually from the other perspective oh peter and james they're just getting on really well because they have a lot in common but they have no romantic interest in each other or is they realise that there's no chemistry there or no physical attraction there. They just get on really well and all these sorts of things. And then suddenly towards the end, <gasps> Nick and Peter get together and it's all been, you know, it's all come together. We've had that heightened tension. Will they, won't they? Oh my God, they love each other, but one of them doesn't know it and the other one knows it and he's going to leave and he's so upset because he thinks he's going to be happy with the other person. He wants him to be happy because he's his friend. But... Do you know what I mean? This whole situation, like that's how it normally plays out. And for a reason, because it has a lot of, of, of at stake there. Whereas with this film, I enjoyed so much of it, but it just felt like a little bit damp, like a little bit ugh, because it didn't have any tension going through. It didn't really have a strong narrative arc, if I'm going to get right really about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, okay. So this film for me, I saw it as just like a cute Christmas film. But you're Same. right that it didn't have that like like narrative arc of of the trauma and the not trauma as in like queer trauma trauma just as in romantic trauma of like just like the unrequited they, love friend, yeah which unrequited love is the most so hard painful thing yes ever but also do you know what I was just thinking when you were talking about that I've never seen a film where the friend obviously wants the person to be happy. But it hurts so much to watch your friend that you are in love mm. with go off. And so you do act like a bit of a dick when that happens. Yeah. Like when they come home and want to talk to you about it. You don't you want don't to have that conversation. You're like, I want nothing more than you for you to be happy. But this hurts me so much that I can't hide it from you because yeah. you know me so well. So I'm going to be really irritable for no reason, apparently. Yeah, like, oh, I'm going to be a bit of a... I'm going to be a bit of a bitch, to exactly. be honest. Exactly, yeah. Like, no, definitely. I just feel like I get that this is like very, you know, a lot of uh, Lifetime Hallmark Christmas movies are very shallow and they're, but they use a lot of, they use a lot of tried and tested cliche setups. They just do it in a kind of uh, more, like, well, a less exciting way. It's always like the tension is a little bit less. This one didn't even have the setup. And so it just, I found it really hard to see the chemistry between Nick and Peter. Oh, see, I thought of it, I thought of it less as chemistry. Because I, I agree with you. There wasn't the, like, spark. Mm. I saw it less as chemistry as more of a, this is like Comfort. an old married couple. Comfort. That haven't realised that they should be together yet. Yeah. Like this this couple of of friends who have everything together. They they live together, they share everything together. Mm. They champion each other. 
like both of them champion each other both of them are like you are an amazing writer or you are an amazing plant mum plus whatever else like instagram whatever he does i can't really quite put my finger on what he does but um both of them champion each other and are like so supportive of each other and they love each other and they just haven't quite realized that they should just turn that into a relationship Mm. So I didn't see it so much as that spark and that initial chemistry you have with someone. I saw it more of uh, as the deeper love you have with someone once you've been with them for a while. Which is great. And that could have been a really interesting story as well if I had seen them spend more time together. Oh, but he was too busy dating. <laughs> and the other one kept putting up Christmas lights for other people. And I, I completely get that. But because he was just always just all his personality to me was, oh, he likes dogs and he's really good at doing, like, you know, uh, labour jobs. And that is it. I don't know anything else really about Nick because we didn't get to see him do anything or have any of those kind of fun, slightly flirty conversations that lead to something more or, you know, anything about him. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. Do you know what they should have done? They should have put him and Jennifer Coolidge on, like, a... Them doing something, just the two of them. Wait, what? Nick and Jennifer Coolidge. Yes. What? So we saw Nick more of his personality. Aunt. Yes, exactly. Yes, because I, I'm always up for that, and it would have been. Well, basically, this is just this is just me asking for more Jennifer. Of but... course, <laughs> but I still would struggle to see more. You know why? Why Peter and Nick should be together? I would like for them, even if it was that they were doing stuff for the family that maybe they got the tree together or all these different things where you could see how, oh, they're helping each other out, but they're having these conversations. And maybe even the conversation is about this date that um, Peter's going on or whatever. And you can start to see a bit more of discomfort on Nick's side or you can see um, a little bit more about how their relationship functions and works and the closest that they have and how that could clearly like develop into uh, more of a passionate love or whatever. I just... I'd like to have seen them spend more time together. He spent more time together with the guy he didn't up, end up with. Yeah, I think that they I think they did spend too much time with the guy they didn't end up with. But I do think they did do that the, what you were just saying, they did it once when they were outside and you know when everyone watches them through the window and they have the antlers on and and Nick's just finished putting the Christmas lights up and Peter's just back from his date with the guy he didn't mm. end up with. Um they had that sort of back and forth there where they were like oh, you know, how was your date and and all of this. And the same when they were in the wine shop. So they had it a couple of times. But I agree with you. I don't think it was enough. No. Because it was meant to be... What was it meant to be? This, You know when he has... Um, when Peter decides that... Well, his his boss decides that he needs to now become a photographer and, you know, they're going to get rid of all of the influencers that they've clearly paid paid a lot of money to use a shit ton um, well, one of them one of them even says how grand. much they were on exactly but like so suddenly no what's gonna suffice for this probably multi-million pound campaign is um just some pictures in a wood um <laughs> but we're meant on to your, get on your smartphone i thought it was so subtle the fact that i think we're meant to see how peter falls for nick because he can do a more seductive blowing out his mouth thing than James can. It was really strange. 
I think, but the thing is, it wasn't. It wasn't that he was more seductive. It was that Nick felt things when he did it, whereas when James did it, he didn't feel it. But that wasn't very was, obvious. I don't think it was oh, it super was subtle. Me. It was super subtle. I think if there had been more things going on and we'd seen more chemistry between, you know, these different couples, then I think that would have not been as subtle. But I think because everything else was a bit like a damp squid, it was... Oh, see, I completely disagree with you there. I I was like, oh, yeah, he, he feels something in his gut here. He just is like, oh, yeah, here we go. This is this is something. And then when the other guy does it, it's like, oh, no, don't feel the same thing. I thought that was so, so in your face. And so I thought it was really subtle. And what backs me up on that is the fact that he didn't do anything about it for fucking ages afterwards. He didn't go, oh, here's my moment. I realized I don't actually feel what, you know, that strong feelings for him. But I feel it for Nick. Oh, my God. I need to go tell him. That didn't happen. There were so many moments where it was such like a um, just uh, what's the word you know like a letdown basically where you felt it was leading to something and then it just kind of didn't and it you know like i know this is really camp and cliche but you know like in clueless one of my favorite films um she has that moment where she realizes that she's in love and it's really dramatic of course so she has the bit where she's walking and then, then all of the fountains go off and she's like oh, i love him or whatever um i wanted a moment maybe not quite as over the top in camp as that but a moment where it was like, all oh, you can see, <gasps> the moment that he's realised, oh my God, actually, I am in love with my best friend. I but have to go tell I him, I have to go confess. You don't just run to your best friend and tell them you're in love with them. Because you have all of these other conflicting feelings where you are like, well, I don't want to lose them as my best friend. They're my person in every sense of the word. And I don't want to lose them as my person in this way just because I want them to be my person in another another way. Okay. It's the most terrifying thing in the world to be in love with your best friend. And I understand that. But then when Nick says, it is basically told, we've talked to Peter and he also likes you. The feeling is mutual. He doesn't take him aside very soon after that and say, I need to tell you that I'm in love with you. He waits yeah. fucking ages. And it's just, you know, there's just no momentum there. There's no tension there. Because it's just like people kind of go, oh, so we could have this great love together because we both love each other. I guess I'll wait another 24 hours before I say anything. I guess I'll wait until this, that and the other. And it's not like they built up that we must get past the pageant and then we'll do it because, you know, they're so busy. We can't busy ruin Aunt Sally's exactly like pageant, yeah. they don't pull in anything like that as a reason for why they delay talking about this so instead it's just really anticlimactic if you yeah if you're told that your best friend is in love with you and you're dancing together to britney spears mm. that's when you do it yeah that's a moment surely yeah but i don't know it's just i wanted this to be not more dramatic like not over the top and camp I mean, I wouldn't say no, but I just wanted there to be a little bit more obvious intention or motivation for these characters or a little bit more chemistry or time on screen with these supposed love interests. I would have found that more interesting. 
personally. And I felt like there were too many characters in the family that kept distracting from the main storyline because we had to spend time with them rather than um, actually spending time seeing these romantic leads fall in love with each other. I still, even even after all your points, I still see this as a really cute, wholesome, stereotypical Christmas film. Oh, I am critiquing, critiquing this to hell, but I am super glad that there is a film that people could sit down and watch with their family um, and it has a queer couple at the centre of it. And it's cast by lots of queer people or, uh, as we call it, queer adjacent. So um, people who are like icons, like Jennifer Coolidge or even like Barry Boswich, who's in Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's the dad. Which, I'm sorry, how have we not done Rocky Horror yet? It's coming, don't worry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it was really well cast and I love that there were all these people having an opportunity to play roles that uh, they can add a lot of depth and understanding to because it maybe it reflects some of their own experiences. I really enjoyed that. And I really like that this is something that's just like really chill. But personally, I just, you know, I just wanted that little bit more. I think I think a lot of the issue with your issues with it, uh, that sounded wrong. I don't mean you, I don't mean <laughs> I have an issue with what you're saying. I mean, like, I think I, because like, I agree with you on a lot of it. I think that because we've been so limited, we want the perfect film every time because we have so few to, to reference. So it's the same as obviously our last episode that we did was Happiest Season. And I fucking adore that movie. But it's not the perfect movie. No, I think... But I, I also think, don't have a lot to compare it to. I think what it is, is when you think of like the best of that thing, that's like obviously for heterosexuals, you want to strive to have that to represent more people, more different kinds of yeah. relationships. Um, and so I think that's what I'm looking at. Is this the worst film I've ever seen? No. Is, God, it, no. it, is it better than a lot of the films that are going to be on Hallmark and Lifetime this year? Yes, 100%. Hell yes. But I want it to just, I just want it to be just a little bit better. But you I, know? Think, I think because of the anticipation still, we're in 2021, we're nearly in 2022, and we're still so over the top excited about the fact that there are queer Christmas movies. We're so starved for good content where mm -hmm. we don't just get killed off or we're not the bad guys. We're not like, and I, I would love, as they say in Disclosure, I would love to get to the point where you can see us getting killed or being bad guys and not be like, well, fucking of course, because, well, you know, that's what they have to put us as. Like, I would love to get to that point where you can put on a fucking Hallmark or Lifetime or cheesy as fuck Christmas film Mm. And just be like, yep, there it is. There's a, a stereotypical cheesy Christmas film. And it just yeah. happens to be gay or happens to be lesbian or happens to be trans. Or yeah. happens to have someone with a disability in. But we're not there. And it's fucking 2021. Like, we are so far from being there. I feel like sometimes I come across as being, like, overly critical of some of these queer films. Wait, but I think you overly critical? I know. I'm so, <laughs> what? Um, I do still really enjoy them. Like, I've watched Happier Season many, many times, and that's absolutely, you know, I still enjoy it, even though I have 
fundamental problems with some of the characters. Personally, I prefer a, a film like Happier Season over Single All The Way, purely because I felt like that I had really strong feelings about why something, I didn't like a character or what a character was doing. And this one is just like, Ugh. and they did nothing or they didn't do that much. It's very different, like kind of levels of energy there. Um, I felt like Happier Season was really trying to go for it. And Happier Season, uh, sorry, uh, Single Away was being very cautious and careful and therefore not doing as much. And that's why I think this one of the two, I'm probably least likely to revisit. I'm more likely to revisit Happier Season, even though I, I have hope... like fundamental problems with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you don't feel like when I say like, oh, you know, all of this, like we need more queer, I like the fact that we, this, that you don't think that I am saying we shouldn't criticise because of course we should still have valid opinions on it and we should be able to say I don't like this about this film Yeah, it's just of course we should still support the film and I don't mean that as in we have to pretend to love everything about it I just mean we should support it in the sense that we should watch it and we should talk about it and we might we might negatively talk about it in the same way we would negatively talk about any other film because well, we want I, equality. <laughs> I yeah, I would like to encourage other people to watch this film, and I would like to hear what people think of it. I just think that, as always, I just always want a little bit more. I'm just being greedy. Um, also, I love I love that we still managed, even in a in a episode that is not about Clear Deval, we still managed to bring Clear Deval films up. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, <laughs> and I think that it ultimately it's not a problematic film. It's just no. I would like a little bit more oomph to it, but I mean that's a personal preference. There are a lot of people who seem to really like this film, so and more power to them. And hopefully it's a stepping stone. Yeah, and I think also it is a good stereotypical Christmas film. I think it is one of those easy to watch, throw on the TV in the background while you're doing decorating the tree or uh, making your mulled wine or whatever. Yeah. Um, this is a background as... movie for sure. It's, this is not a sit down and watch movie, I think. It's, yeah, it, which... Its strengths don't lie there. But I, I think that as... And I know that we've both said this numerous times, so we're just rehashing the point, but I will keep doing this. Um, we need those films. Same as we need the really hard-hitting sit down and watch films. Because straight people have all of those yeah like so it's i think it's great that we have them it's just such a shame that we don't have the plethora of films to pick from in in mainstream ways and i know obviously there are so many fantastic indie queer films could be more obviously i will never say no to a good queer film uh but you should be able to put on channel four or Lifetime, or Hallmark, like whatever fucking channel it is, you should be able to put it on and at some point a queer film will come on that is just your holiday movie or your whatever film it is. Yeah. Because we always just put on the TV and you see man, woman fall in love. Well, luckily we are at a time where there are more things being made. Um, there, I think in the last literally like two years or so, 
there's been so many more Christmas films that have been made. I know that you I know, this, this have been uh, trying to compile a load of them, um, some of which have you managed to watch, but some of which, because we live in the UK, uh, it's hard to get your It is mitts so on. hard. <laughs> so what kind of films have you discovered uh, that have come out this year? Okay, so this year, a lot of them I haven't been able to watch yet because we are in, well, I was in France and now I'm back in the UK, which, by the way, Sophie was very excited about. And don't oversell it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so in in Europe it's very hard to find films that you can watch. Especially I know a lot of the time if you have Sky, you can watch some of them. But neither of us have Sky, as far as I know. I don't. No, 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 I'm poor. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of the films we haven't been able to watch that have come out this year. But this year has genuinely been the best year yet for queer holiday films um so a few of them like honestly a f- just a small selection of these films have been things like christmas on the ranch which uh the imdb synopsis for this says uh when Haley hollis returns to her family ranch to try and save it from foreclosure she wasn't banking on spending so much time with ranch hand kate or falling for her so obviously that involves a lot of lesbians in cowboy hats. So Which I'm is, all in for that. Yeah. That is a Absolutely. a category of itself. Absolutely. And again, it's one I haven't been able to see yet. And I don't think you have either. No. We've got The Bitch That Stole Christmas, which is on VH1, which neither of us have access to. Because we're poor. Um, which is RuPaul. Um so IMDb says about this, uh, a workaholic big city fashion journalist sent to a Christmas obsessed town to dig up a story. That's the whole synopsis. Um, I'm intrigued. Which does not make it sound queer at all, but it's RuPaul. And I did read something about saying it's the draggiest Christmas film ever. Oh, cool. So I'm looking forward to being able to find that somewhere. Is it going to be draggier than a classic UK pantomime? Oh, I highly doubt it. <laughs> I love a panto. Having worked on pantomimes, they are so draggy. I know. <laughs> I love them. Like they're the best. Uh, and anyone outside of the UK is like the fuck. Yeah. It's weird, but I, but love, I love it. It is an experience in of itself. Uh it it's really wacky and I do think people outside of British culture might struggle a little bit to understand what the heck is going on. But uh, But the rest of us grew up on it. So we're yeah. just like, yes, there's the dame. There's the lead who well, it's, is a it's woman really, as a man. It's really nice that, yeah, these, um, from a young age, children are ex- exposed uh, to um, drag from a young age through these over-the-top camp fairy tales, essentially, that yeah. are on stage, along to music and silly, silly slapstick jokes and a bit of like, ooh, uh, kind of uh, double entendres. And right. I mean, that's I love like... It. It's it's so camp and ridiculous, but I think it's like uniquely British, and it's definitely something to see if you ever kind of come to the UK. What other films? Uh, so we have uh, Hallmarks, The Christmas House Two, Deck Those Halls. Uh, so again on IMDb, this says that the Mitchell brothers compete to see who can create the best Christmas house. Uh, again, it's one I haven't seen. Um, and there are just so many more. And there are also some short films out that people should check out uh, when they can find access to them. But there are just so many more. And the fact that I haven't been able to list them all on this, uh, let alone watch them all, 
because there are just so many and also because you know europe sucks for getting american content it's just such an incredible feeling that we have this many um now one of the one of the films that i have been able to watch that soph hasn't is lifetime's first ever lesbian christmas film which is under the christmas tree which was directed by lisa rose snow very apt name for a christmas movie love it uh and written by michael j murray uh and it stars elise bauman uh tatiwana jones and ricky lake you know awesome. i didn't know ricky lake was in it yeah she's fucking in it oh, <laughs> I, love I know i think uh, she's so- adjacent she is so queer adjacent, isn't she? <laughs> uh, now, the IMDb synopsis for this says that Alma and Charlie crosses paths of each other, which I was like, so I'm dyslexic, but I, that doesn't it, quite make I sense. really struggled with this so much. And I wasn't sure if it was me not understanding it or if it doesn't make sense. So doesn't you're make right. Sense. So, okay, good. And this is word for word what it says. Alma and Charlie crosses paths of each other when Charlie finds the perfect tree for the Maine's governor's holiday celebration at right in Alma's backyard. So you can understand why I was confused about this. However, that is basically what the film is about. So Alma, who is Elise Bauman, has a beautiful tree in her backyard that she doesn't want Charlie to take. Now... Neither Soph or I have access to Lifetime. So somehow I managed, after a hell of a lot of effort, to find a service that lets me watch Lifetime live. Uh, So that's what I did. So it started at 1am our time. um, And I tuned in to the premiere of this movie. Now, I did do my best to watch it. The service turned out not to be the most reliable. uh, So I did miss sections of this film. Uh, But what I saw, I did very much enjoy uh, it is your stereotypical Christmas movie. It's, it's very much a lifetime movie. Uh, it's full of like cheese and Christmas costumes and singing. Uh, but it has lesbian leads, which was incredible. Like it was a lesbian story played by queer women. Like the two leads are queer women, which is just incredible. And I just, I just picture this scenario where... Someone in like maybe the Midwest turns Lifetime on or has Lifetime on in the background and it just happens to come on and they watch this film and they see that it's no different to any of the other films on Lifetime other than the fact that it's got lesbian leads. And I just fucking, I love that scenario. So Mm. uh, yeah, there's so many other queer movies that are around this year, which I just love. But unfortunately, I kind of stopped there with my Christmas viewing mainly, uh, which I will hopefully pick up some after Christmas. What about you, Soph? Have you watched any other Christmas movies this year? Well, we definitely got together and watched um, an amazing film from, uh, I believe, 2006 um, called Last Holiday, starring Queen Latifah um, and LL Cool J and Gerard Depardieu. And it's a remake of a 1950 film, also called Last Holiday. And it's, it's about a woman who, get, who is like, has a normal existence. Um, she, she's just working at a department store. And she ends up uh, hitting her head and therefore finding out that she has this rare disease, um, which is a made-up disease um, called Lampington's disease. And... Uh, it basically means that she only has uh, a couple of weeks to live 
um, not very long to live at all. And so she decides to quit her job and go and uh, achieve some of the possibilities that she had been, you know, hoping to happen in her life, but had never quite managed to happen. And she's quite a, a quiet and meek character at the beginning of the story, but she kind of gains her independence, her, her confidence, and uh, decides she's just going to blow off all her money and uh, go and enjoy herself. So she's going to go to this fancy uh, hotel in the middle of, I don't even know what country this is meant to be, but some European country. And she is going to do all these extreme sports and try new things and eat amazing food and all these things that she's dreamed about um, for her life and uh, just live it up for the last few weeks of her life. And the encounters that she makes at this hotel changes those people's lives. But also um, she realizes or she comes to realize that um, her unrequited feelings for one of her co-workers back in America has um, not been so unrequited and he somehow uh, gets to this country. Uh, I'm not going to ask about his financial situation. And uh, he ends up uh, coming and she gets her happy ending and she finds out that she is not dying. And so she opens a restaurant. Um, so that's like the plot in a, in a whole, um, as a whole. But uh, it's just of course, because it's Queen Latifah, a really great film, just really fun. Um, it's really lighthearted. She's so charming in it. Um, and it's kind of that classic sentiment that you get from a lot of older films, because it's a remake put into this new film, um, about how to cherish life and what you have. Uh, but also to... Uh, take advantage and stand up for yourself and not allow other people to walk over you as well is kind of a strong message in this film. And stand up for others. And stand up for others. And although this is set at Christmas, I have to say it's not the, like, the most Christmassy film. There's not a huge amount of decorations and stuff going on or random people playing Jingle Bells. But uh, it is a great uh, film. It's just really fun. And the Queen Latifah is amazing. Firstly, Queen Latifah can do no wrong. She's brilliant. I love her. Um, and also, I love that this was this was our first film being reunited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Soph came over to mine to watch this once I got back from France, and we obviously had to put on a nice Christmas film. And I think we chose very well. Both both of us have seen this film before, uh, but also can watch it numerous times because Queen Latifah, she's a fucking legend, and so oh, 100%. like also she's queer, like. So regardless of whether she's playing straight or not in this, she's fucking queer. So this is a queer Christmas movie. It's just, yeah, it's just, really, there's not really much to say about it. It's just, it's really, really fun. And um, this is the kind of film that I would definitely sit down and watch or put on whilst I'm doing some kind of Christmas draw and just really enjoy it and be charmed. I have the pants charmed off me by Queen Latifah. So... It's just, it's just a lovely film to watch. It's not, it's a great one if you don't really like the holidays that much because it's not overly Christmassy. Um, so you can yeah, kind of you're right, get in actually. a good, you can get in a good mood and not, or it's a good one to maybe start at the beginning of the Christmas season where you're not quite ready for the, you know, the onslaught that's about to happen of Christmas films um, because it's, it's quite gentle when it tackles the holidays. Or right at the end. Or right at the end. Yes, exactly. Um, but it's a great one to watch and I would definitely recommend people 
visiting or hopefully revisiting this film. Um, I've also also watched... it, also it's good that it's got people of color in it. Like there's so yeah. many very white Christmas films, like yes. especially mainstream, like mainstream Christmas films have so many white people in, and the fact that this has a cast that is there are a lot of white people in it but there are also a lot of people of color in it and the fact that the leads are people of color and the romantic interests are people of color yeah definitely definitely so another film that i have really enjoyed recently was a film that i watched yesterday actually when i was wrapping lots of presents and it is the 1996 film called unlikely angel uh directed by michael switzer and uh, starring Dolly Parton, uh, Rodney McDowell, and Alison Mack, who we're not going to talk about her most recent issues with crime um, and the legal system, because she was a child in this, um, serving very lesbian energy um, as well. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, a strange TV film. Um, it's about a woman who dies, She's like a country singer or something. She died. Funny enough. Guess who she's played by? It's Dolly Parton. And she uh, she dies. Uh, she swerves um, off a road to avoid hitting a deer. And when she goes up to heaven, they say to her that, you know what? You've been kind of a whore throughout your entire life. You should be in hell. But you did swerve for that animal. So we're going to give you a chance to get your wings and see if you can get into heaven. But to get your wings, you need to go down to... Um, to earth and help out this family and uh help them come together you've got to do this by the uh by midnight on christmas eve and if you achieve it then you get to uh go into heaven and it's like okay cool slightly tired premise but i love it cool uh weird slut shaming but okay and uh so she gets thrown down to this family where she becomes their nanny or really it's more like an au pair I guess in many ways but she becomes their nanny and um, tries to bring this family together after uh, a bereavement that happened in their family two years ago their mum had died and so the, fa the dad is you know overworking and the kids are just you know disaffected and she's got to bring them all together um, and you know it's very stereotypical she does it through you know getting out the Christmas decorations and singing Jingle Bells, and she sings many times, and it's glorious. Um, but uh, there's also even more weird slut-shaming in this. Uh, she gives uh, the dad a neck massage because he's, like, been working so much, and the Bible literally shakes and <laughs> off the uh, shelf, uh, as if to just be like, Hoa! Hoa! Stop it! And she, like, is shouting <laughs> up to Peter, uh, St. Peter, and just be like, I know, it's not even sexual. <laughs> so they all think she's nuts. <laughs> Um, but it's just so weird. But I kind of loved it, and I really want you to see it. Oh, it's top of my list now. I mean, you you could have just said you could have just said a film with Dolly Parton, and it well, would be top exactly. of my list because what a fucking legend! But brilliant, one hundred percent. I love the fact that it's like slut shaming her, but she's like, nah, bitch. Like, I fucking love that. <laughs> she's like, he may be slut shaming me, but I'm gonna wear this tiny corset, which really accentuates my gigantic boobs. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still getting into heaven. So, she looks stunning in this, despite the like mid-90s mullet look that's going on. Um, she looks amazing. <laughs> I love a bit of Dolly. Oh, she's brilliant. But it's just, there's again, there's not a huge amount to say. It's just a really weird film. But I would recommend it. It was interesting. 
<laughs> also, again, queer adjacent. Yes, exactly. Um, and the last film I watched literally today was It's a Wonderful Life, which I imagine most people have seen. Um, but it's just a, a great old film to watch. Guess what decade it is. Oh, yes, it's 1940s. Funny that. Well, um, everyone guessed either the 90s or the 40s. So, you know. I, I, I delivered on both counts. Have I not? <laughs> Dolly you... and <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. You have. Weirdly. Both of these films have the theme of an angel coming down to help somebody uh, to kind of readdress the problems in their life and realise that they are better coming together as a family. I hadn't put that together until literally just now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's a Wonderful Life is just one of those films that I put on every year with my mum and we sit down and watch it and cry. A bit like Little Women. Um, I didn't cry this year though, but I did watch it in stunning 4K and cannot recommend it enough. It was amazing. They um, had a special um, feature on the uh, 4K DVD, Blu-ray, whatever the fuck it is. Um, and uh, it showed the side-by-side -side and all the restoration that had happened to it. And it is absolutely stunning how well they have remastered um, and repaired, restored this um, iconic film from the 1940s. Um, so... If you have an opportunity to watch it, would definitely recommend the new 4K edition. And sometimes it can seem like a bit of a gimmick, but genuinely, this is a great copy. So would recommend. I have I have a bit of a confession to make. Uh, well, so I've never, seen, never, I've seen, never seen a wonderful life. No, oh, never you, seen a wonderful no, life. What? What? <laughs> what? Can't believe I know. It. It's got I James know. Stewart. It's got Donna Reed. It's got one of the Barrymores, and I can't remember his name. Lionel Barrymore. <laughs> Lionel Barrymore. It's got oh, it's so many. It's so good. There's so many people in it. I know, and it's such a fucking classic. And I love film. It's just it's, one that I've never watched. It's a really interesting film in the sense that it was a bomb when it came out. Yeah. It it didn't succeed at all, but because it fell into the public domain, I believe. Um, when television came about, it was uh, really cheap to be put, putting it on on repeat during, uh, throughout the Christmas season. And because it was on the TV all the time, it became this uh, film that people watched every single year and was and built up to become a classic. Um, so it's got a really interesting history to it as well. Um, it's the first film that Frank Capra made after coming back from the war. And I don't know if it's the first, but certainly one of the first that Jimmy Stewart um, did after coming back from the Second World War as well. Um, and it's incredibly sentimental, just like a lot of Frank Capra, Capra's films are. And it's all about the goodness of um, people and how, you can, your, how your life can affect so many people about you. I mean, if you're somebody who struggles with any kind of uh, depression or suicidal ideation, I would genuinely watch this film because I don't know how much you know about the film, but the main character um, considers ending his life um, and almost does. And it's, so it's, it has this massive exposition. Most of the film is this exposition about George Bailey's life and what his life had been um, and the disappointments that he's had and how he fell in love and all these things. And then his uncle, I believe, uh, loses money from this um, this loan like bank and loan company that he owns, and so they're going to go bust, and everyone's going to lose 
all their money in their houses that are invest that that through this company is invested in their homes. Um, and so he had this life insurance policy that is worth fifteen thousand pounds and or dollars. And so he thinks, you know, I'm I'm worth more dead than I am alive. And this angel comes down to earn his wings and shows him that actually, because George Bailey says, I wish I'd never been born. Life would have been better for everyone if I'd never been born. And he goes around and shows how his life has both um, minutely and massively affected these the different people in his life to the point where his brother never would have um, survived childhood a childhood accident and therefore wouldn't have saved people in the Second World War um, or uh, all, all these you know this this person would have been ruined because they would have accidentally poisoned someone when you stopped them from doing that there's lots of different things that happen his wife God forbid she would have become an old maid and it's scary um, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't date quite so well but um, he gets to see through all of this how his life has been meaningful and the effect that he's had on his, on the community um, in this small town that he lives in. Um, and then at the end, uh, once he's kind of come back to reality, come back to living in the present day, he's got this new zest for life. And he comes back and he sees his family and he, he's happy to see them. And then, spoiler alert, uh, the whole fa uh, town has come together to raise the money so that he doesn't get into trouble um, they all chip in so that um, that money is saved um, and everybody's in a good position. It shows how if you invest in other people, not just literally with money, but through being a good person and helping them and being, you know, being interacting with people in their lives, that you also, um, they will come and help you, but also that your life has an amazing amount of purpose just through that. It's not about your level of success in life about how you impact the people around you. So I think if you are somebody who genuinely does struggle with depression, um, and it's something that I've certainly struggled with in the past, I think it could be a great film to watch, actually, because I think it's a nice reminder that actually we do affect people's life in little ways that we're not always aware of, and how other people's lives would be different if you weren't in them, and how they might be different if you chose to not be in their life anymore. Also, it is set oh, okay. around Christmas. <laughs> okay, well, as you well know, I definitely struggle with depression a lot. So I will definitely have to check this film out. It's, Which it's, also, I should have just fucking done years ago because it's a fucking yeah. classic. Yeah. And well, also, every I'll time I have to, to say, oh, I haven't seen it. It's like, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Lend yeah. It to me. Get a metaphorical slap from people. If you are somebody who is finding uh, Christmas a little bit difficult, just remember, first of all, you can have a break. You can step outside and just have a few breaths. But also there are organizations that we will leave links for in the description of this podcast um, in case you need uh, any support during this time. But leaving on a positive note, um, we hope you have a lovely day. We hope you have a good Christmas uh festivities um and we will be back in the new year we want to um uh, refresh a few things with this podcast we want to address a few things that we want to do moving forward so we will be um commenting on that when we come back in january um but we hope you have a really great christmas and new year and we will see you then yeah absolutely and just uh your 
queer family does extend further than just your queer family that you've chosen uh so it's the whole queer community so just remember that you're not alone yeah Uh, so yeah have a great day have a great festive season and we're all here for you and we will see you on the next episode yeah bye thank you for listening to this week's episode of heavenly features we are at Heavenly Features Pod on Instagram and Heavenly Features Pod on YouTube. And we are Heavenly Features Pod on Letterboxd and Twitter. Uh, head over to our Instagram and Twitter and give us a follow if you want to watch along with us. We will be announcing what films we'll be talking about the next week. And please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.